Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday. This week, it's me and Mike coming at you. How's it going, Mike? I am well. What's up, everybody? Uh, good to be back. Happy New Year. We're still uh, we're still able to say Happy New Year. I think the cutoff is probably tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're recording this on January 8th. Tomorrow's Monday the 9th. And uh, I think I'm going to be done with my Happy New Year's by then. But uh, Happy New Year nonetheless, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready to get back to business, man. Done with the holidays, so you know this is good. Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, I had literally almost 14 days off from work. Um, it went really fast, though. I gotta say, the whole the holidays go fucking fast, in my opinion. Did, did they go fast for you? Not really. I mean, I don't <laughs> know. It felt. I the holidays are weird, man. I um, it's been several years since I've really. I felt like I've had uh, enjoyable holidays. And uh, mm. so part of me is like, I kind of dread the holidays. I kind of dread the slowdown. I like, you know, I uh, mm -hmm. the idleness, uh -huh. uh, sitting around, um, trying to stay busy. It, it just, you know, and I, I worked for a lot of the holiday and, you know, no one's mm -hmm. around. You can't get anything done, like that kind of thing. So. Yeah, that can be annoying. I mean, I, I you know, my, my company literally shut down yeah. for a bit, so it's it, it's a different story. So I, I hear you on that. But uh, what I did do was I watched uh, the entire first two seasons of The Witcher on Netflix. So that's, you know, 16 hours of, mm -hmm. of, of, of TV there that I carved out. And um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really? I don't know. Have you, did you ever check it out, The Witcher? No, nah, I I've been meaning to actually, and and you say it's good. Yeah, it is good. But what was the biggest bum out was knowing that at the end of that 16th episode, that Henry Cavill is gone from the show, uh, and that he's that there's going to be a new guy playing his role for the next season, which is a, a huge bummer. I mean, if you've been paying attention, uh, he he had to quit The Witcher because you know. He was going to go full steam ahead with the Superman stuff and then only to have that pulled out, that rug pulled out from him because he's not going to be Superman anymore, but he is not returning to the Witcher. So it's like a whole kind of weird drama there. Uh, but the show, of course, it, itself is, is still, you know, happening. It's it's like a big franchise. There's even this there was this spinoff prequel that I, I didn't watch yet because I actually have not heard too many good things about that, that he's not on. Um, but, uh, it is good. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's a little slow at times, I gotta say, but when it gets going, it's really good. There's some cool monsters and like, honestly, I wanted to watch it to see like fantasy shit, a guy killing monsters with a sword and that kind of stuff. Like I, I'm into that, you know? And, and I think you're into that kind of shit too, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, a good amount of violence. There's cursing, there's some nudity. I mean, it, it's a fucking cool show, um, and uh, I, I enjoyed spending a lot of time with it. But it just sucks that uh, Henry Cable, who who I dig, is is you know is not coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm way into dudes killing monsters with swords. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've actually been like getting in the last few months, been really leaning heavily into that. I've been uh, rereading all the Elric uh, books. The that, uh, yeah. Yeah, Michael mm -hmm. Moorcock. They just nice. re released like a reissue of like everything, and there's a new Elric book that just came out too. And there's these nice hardcover collections which I got 
over Christmas for the, you know, because I bought myself a present, you know, for that. Oh, stuff. nice, man. And uh, a couple of stuff, I, a couple of books I missed over the, over the course of that series. So I'm going to probably dive into that stuff pretty, pretty soon. It, it's funny you, you talk about Elric. I, uh, I have an Elric tattoo. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. that. On my right arm. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's Jay Lee art that I always loved, but it's, it's, it is in fact a picture of Elric um, that Jay Lee did a really long time ago in the nineties. Um, but I'm I'm kind of on this Conan kick because oh, I I, yeah. <laughs> I watched I watched the new Conan okay. that I literally forgot existed yeah um with Jason Momoa which is not that bad no no actually. I saw that in the theater actually I remember yeah yeah um and I'm about to watch the OG and it's and it's you know questionable uh, sequel um and then I ordered some Conan books and I and I have a bunch of you know trades and. You know, I'm fantasy guy now, Mike. I'm fantasy guy. Which so which yeah, Conan yeah. books did you get? Because they have this really really nice collection out now by Del Rey. Yeah, I I ordered volume one okay. of that. Yeah, but I also have a brand spanking new one called Conan: Blood of the Serpent from S. M. Sterling. Okay, uh, it's it's a it's a it literally came out I think a month ago. The hardcover I got that. Because this ad for it kept popping up on my social media because I think it knows I've been looking at Conan stuff. Right, right. And the cover was so cool, and I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. It's twenty two dollars. I fucking bought it. So that's like on deck. Um, but I want to read the Robert E. Howard stuff first, the Delray books first, yeah. and then read the new one. And then I got this Witcher books. So nice. Yeah, I'm like nah, it's all good. Over the fucking place. Yeah. Um, and then uh, me and Stella were at Barnes and Noble yesterday, and I bought uh, Clive Barker's. They had Books of Blood one, two, and three collected as one book, so I bought oh, yeah. that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's good. I got those too, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I have that in that whole Del Rey, pretty much all those um, Robert E. Howard volumes that came out. Like, uh, there's one that's collected horror stories. There's mm -hmm. um, you know, there's Call, there's Brand Mac Morn, uh, Song oh, wow. and Kane. You know, mm -hmm. all the Conan, I have all those over the last few years. I've pretty much read most of them. You know, the Conan stuff I've read, you know, this is like the probably the fourth or fifth time I've read all those stories. But yeah. So yeah, as a fan of all that stuff, The, the Witcher is in that wheelhouse. Um, it's not as, you know, rough around the edges as early 80s Conan, obviously, but it's definitely fun and it's interesting. And it's, it's you know, I found it great, great nighttime watching before I went to bed and had to go to fucking work the next day you know that kind of stuff yeah um but yeah so that was cool and then uh i watched two mainstream movies mike something i don't do very often um on netflix i watched uh the glass onion the new uh, knives out movie yeah uh the you know murder mystery which i enjoyed and something i enjoyed even more than that which was brad pitt's uh, bullet train Oh yeah, okay, all right. Um, which is this action, tons of violence, kind of like, you know, bit over the top at times. A movie that takes place in Japan, uh, which I really, really enjoyed the hell out of. Actually, Bullet Train. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I have. It actually looks pretty good. I'm thinking about checking yeah. that out too. Um. So yeah, you know, some some non horror horror viewing that that I definitely uh, really enjoyed actually. So yeah. Uh, what about you? Well, on the viewing front. 
Okay, so uh, the War of the Worlds TV show, the uh, UK mm. French uh, show, season three came out at some point last year, and I didn't even know about it. So mm. I watched that. I spent like last week uh, knocking those out, and it was uh, at, at first I was like season three. The end of season two seemed like the end of the story, but mm. season three might have been actually the better, the best of all three. It was like really leaning heavy into like the cosmic horror stuff and uh, mm. very emotional too. And uh, if anyone out there doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's uh, a British French uh, series, sci-fi, but with a lot of heavy horror elements in it. That's uh, it's on epics and uh, Gabriel Burns in it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you've been a fan for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Uh, Daisy Edgar Jones is in it. Who's um, you know she's in she's in uh, American films now. She's like that very very pretty uh, young actress. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you've seen her another name, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she was great. She was excellent in it. Very, and then you know now she's playing American women in you know, U.S. films. So that's cool. I got I gotta just fucking hunker down and, and check that out. You know, um. I think now that I finished with The Witcher, uh, I, I, there's an animated uh, kind of prequel set Witcher movie that I want to check out. And like I said, I, I, I may not even check out this new one, this new series, this prequel series, because I don't heard a lot of bad things about it. And it, it doesn't really feature any of the, the characters that I've enjoyed of the, the regular series. But I mean, I'm happy that the regular series is coming back, but. I guess I'll just have to get used to uh, a new guy playing, uh, you know, the, the major role of uh, Geralt. So we will see. There's a, a short that I just watched today called The Druid's Hand. And it's a, hmm. a short horror film that by uh, Mitch Oliver. And I found mm -hmm. out about this because uh, I was chatting with my friend Scott Hamilton, who plays uh, bass in Ken Mode. And Scott mm -hmm. did the film score for this movie. Oh wow! So I was like, uh, "Yeah, that, that's it's cool, man. Let me, uh, you know, maybe I'll talk to uh, Mitch on, you know, either this podcast or or everything went black because you know it's kind of a everything went black's more of the interview one." And um, yeah. So uh, they sent me a screener, and it's really fucking cool, man. It's a short. It's out there making the run through the festivals and uh, tons of atmosphere. Really cool scenes. Um, it has like this build up, and you want to hear more. You want to see more. You you want to see this expanded into a feature length film. So that's very cool. Very cool thing. I just watched it today, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, awesome! That's cool, man. I uh, another thing I watched. Uh, Jeff uh, touched on it on uh, last week's episode of Necromaniacs. Uh, I watched The Apology on uh, Shutter. Yeah. Um. It, no, I don't know. It wasn't great. Uh, I know Jeff didn't like it at all. I enjoyed it to a degree. It's 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 a Christmas set horror, by the way. Yeah. Um. So it it it's a new film to add onto the the pile of of the Christmas movies, and uh, the the main star in it is the wife from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see her in a movie like this. It's it's a very small, kind of indie horror movie, but. 
Yeah, ultimately it was, I don't know, it was just kind of okay and it was just very predictable. And uh, yeah, you know, Janine Garofalo was in it. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I put it on because I, I just wanted to see another new movie, I think, at the time, you know, during the break. Yeah. And, and that was the one I chose. But uh, I, I do want to add <laughs> that I did also see, of course, after we aired our uh, year end um, I watched Speak No Evil, and oh right, uh, yeah, yeah. Had I had I watched it before our uh, wrap up, it would have definitely made uh, my top six movies. Mike, I gotta tell you, yeah, that one had it created a lot of anxiety with me watching mm. that movie. I, I know Jackie over at Into the Necrosphere was talk. He's the first one to tell me about this movie, actually, and uh, mm -hmm. so I watched it under his uh, direction, and. Man, it, it, I was so fucking angry at the end of that movie, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of people focusing on how how stupid those parents were, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I almost feel like that's not even uh, it's under consideration for me because I, I part of me almost feels like they're like being so kind of naive also had something to do with the fact that a part of me thinks they wanted to die. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I like, can't even relate to the behavior of those characters at all. So No, no. Um, but it, I still love the fucking movie. And I think it was a great horror movie. And it's a horror movie that is I'll probably never forget. And I may watch again. I may never watch it again. But it is a movie that I, I think I will continue to tell people to check out if they like edgy, over-the-top, you know, fucked-up horror. And I, I think it, it's a good, you know, entry into that world of horror, Mike, you know? No, it's a great I, – I, no, it's excellent. I think it's um, an excellent film. Just for me, it created a lot of, uh, a lot of anxiety. You know what yeah, I mean? and I had a lot watching. of questions. I still have a lot of questions. I, I have many questions, you know. Um, but I, I really did enjoy. Um, yeah, I ignorantly I uh, referred this film to my Swedish friend Magnus, who you <laughs> um, you met him at uh, the Flying Fox, Magnus. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's Swedish uh, Swedish people in there. And he's like, you son of a bitch. They're Danes. These are Danish yes, they're not Dutch sweet. people. It's Danes and Dutch. He's like, the Danes versus the Dutch. He's like, yeah. you, you animal. Like, <laughs> how like, dare you? How dare you confuse the, you know, the honkies? How dare you? So I was um, like, yeah, I was like embarrassed by that a little bit. I know. It's pretty funny, though. Um, <laughs> so, folks, if you're, uh, if you're new to Necromaniacs, um, we like to give out some plugs from uh, our podcasting apocalypse pals, right, Mike? That's correct. Um, and what we mean by that is it's a it's a cabal uh, of other podcasts that we have fully embraced and we fully support, and they are our friends of ours and make up this uh, nice little fucked up family. Uh, and coming at you on Monday, we have Jackie Smith's own. Not well. I'm oh, sorry. You got that wrong there, buddy. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. 
it, look, it's it's been a, it's been a long time. I, I haven't been well, on the air practice. in a while. Like, <laughs> I get, you know, I'm out of practice. Number one, and uh, you know, you're gonna have to, gonna have to, to to help me out with this one, Mike. Give me an assist. All right, so I'll start it off. So Monday, <laughs> we've got Horror Wolf six 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 brought to you by our yes, yes, yes. yeah, our mm-hmm. friend Brandon Legion, and he has a horror based podcast, except it's based on interviews. He's interviewing up and comers, old school luminaries, like everyone across the board, filmmakers, actors. And sometimes mm-hmm. just uh, you know fellow podcasters like us have been on the show too. That's true. I I, I myself will be appearing uh, uh, on a new episode. I hope so. Hopefully he can forgive me after the fuck up. You know. Hopefully. <laughs> you know. Hopefully I don't get my episode yanked, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Monday. And then that's what, Monday. What comes on Tuesday? But on Tuesday we have into the necrosphere. Man, am I missing my into the necrosphere fix? Uh, he's been off uh, for a bit, bit of a holiday winter break, but I believe uh, he will be back uh, very soon, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, all your metal needs. Uh, it's just a really fun, uh, informative, uh, extreme metal podcast. Your death metal, your black metal, your thrash metal, all the good stuff. Uh, that's on Tuesday. Uh, on Wednesday, we have Mike Hill's very own everything went black podcast mike tell them a little bit about that it started out more of like a music podcast like way back in the in the day but now it's just pretty much about everything man i got filmmakers uh musicians Mm -hmm. uh you know you name it you know all kinds of people are on there it's just a eclectic mix of different things exactly uh on thursday you're listening to it right now necromaniacs podcast coming to you every thursday uh it's either me and mr hill or mr hill and mr jeff coming at you uh on friday we have john draper my brother with a different last name because you know sometimes things like that happen uh coming at you with break the apocalypse podcast uh on saturday take a break go see a show Go out, have some food, get some sunlight, read a book. But on Sunday, we have the final member of the podcasting apocalypse, Carl Icara's Soul Knox podcast. Right, Mike? That's right. And he's bringing you uh, stories of the occult, the macabre, and the blasphemous yes. on Sunday. Hey, Mike, yeah. let me, let me, let me uh, add something about you and, you and John. Is it kind of mm-hmm. like... Uh, Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen, how you guys have Yeah, that's names. a good way to look at it. Right. Like, I mean, um, you know, I, I, yeah, it's a very good way to look at it. It's like the Emilio Estevez <laughs> and Martin Sheen. They're brothers, but they have different last names. That's very good, Mike. I like that. Very good. Um, but anyway, yeah, check all out, you know, check these damn podcasts out. Um, good people, good people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So listeners, it's been a minute since we've traveled back in time, right, Mike? Yeah. We've been busy, uh, covering a lot of new stuff lately. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, Jesus, there's just so much really good new stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2022 was a banner year. We've talked about it quite a bit. 
ad nauseum, you could say. Uh, we've tried to cover every every movie we could in 2022. I, I part of me thinks we could barely keep up at one point. Um, but uh, since it's the beginning of a brand new year, and um, you know, I have not yet seen uh, any 2023 horror films just yet. Uh, I don't know about you, Mike. No. Uh, we wanted to uh, start off with uh, a trip back to the 70s. And a trip back to some great, great Yorohara. And tonight we will be discussing Jose Ramon Larraza's Vampires. Right, Mike? That's right. And uh, this is on Tubi. So anyone out there who is um, looking for this, you can watch it for free with ads on Tubi. Yeah, that's great. Um, I myself uh, have my trusty... Uh, Blue Underground uh, 2003 DVD. Uh, I do believe a little later on, I think in 2010, they put it out on Blu-ray. And in 2019, Arrow uh, released a Blu-ray of Vampires uh, as a three-film set called Blood Hunger, the films of Jose Larraz, along with uh, two of his other films, Whirlpool and The Coming of Sin. Um... But yeah, uh, our listeners uh, who really enjoyed, you know, our Daughters of Darkness uh, episode, uh, I think you're going to have another movie that you're going to be super into with vampires if you have not seen it yet. What do you think, Mike? I think it's a perfect uh, companion. Those two films together would make a great double feature. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I would see that in a theater in a minute, you know, if somebody in Brooklyn or Manhattan was showing uh, Daughters of Darkness and Vampires back to back. That would be fucking one of the best nights ever. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, in some circles, uh, Vampires, and by the way, uh, it is spelled V-A-M-P-Y-R-E-S for this film, uh, was actually known as Daughters of Dracula. Um but I think this, I like this title better, Mike, no? Yeah, because this has nothing to do with Dracula at all, you know? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, been a misnomer. But certainly, you know, Yorohara's and misnomers uh, are, are, go hand in hand sometimes. Uh, you, you'll get a title of a movie that, you know, does not really hone it in as to what the movie was about. Um, we have a British film. Uh, shot in, in England um, with a Spanish director in, in Jose uh, Ramon Larraz. Uh, but, to, you know, but it's firmly to me British horror. What about you, Mike? Yeah, it has that same feel. Uh, all the actors and people involved in the production are British. Uh, yeah. The screenplay exactly. was by uh, Diana Daubeny, who might be a fr- mm-hmm. French, actually. That last name mm-hmm. is seems French. And if, yeah. the fact that a woman wrote this screenplay is interesting to me, as we you know we oh, get yeah. into the you know when we get into this little bit of the story that that becomes a little bit interesting I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, one could perhaps write this off as you know oh it's just another kind of sexy vampire movie, but I think that would be doing the film a, a disservice. Um, while maybe not as artsy. Uh, and ethereal as Daughters of Darkness. Uh, this movie, I think, has a bit more of a raw, kind of more violent, you know, graphic side to it, no? 
Yeah, this is definitely more of like an exploitation vibe mixed with mm -hmm. atmosphere, you know, because I think uh, Laraz, most, a lot of his films are more like on the sort of exploitation side of things. If I'm, am I right about that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, he his other move, like he, he's done some other films that are maybe a little, you know, completely off the beaten path uh, of a movie like Vampires, but he, he likes his, his atmosphere too. I mean, this movie to me is dripping in atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, just like Daughters of Darkness. But I feel like this has a bit more of a, of that a British sensibility to it. Uh, probably for the fact that it, of where it was shot. I mean, it was shot at this like beautiful mansion location in like the English countryside in the fall. You know, I mean, you couldn't have really asked for like a better setting, you know, for this movie. It was, you know, um, uh, watching the extras actually, like they talked about how the, the whole movie was shot in 21 days, uh, in the autumn and they just, they kind of like really lucked out with like the weather and the leaves and the scenery and, you know, j just hearing that. And then, you know, thinking about the film, it's just kind of like, you know, perfect. Wow. That's a tight schedule, man. Yeah. Um, they worked six days a week from s literally roughly about 7 a.m to about 8 p.m. In, in that 21-day period, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the the, uh, the actresses, uh, Marianne Morris and Anulka Duzabrinska, ju we'll just refer to her as Anulka because that's kind of the, the, the singular name she kind of goes by. Um, yeah, they they talked how, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of, you know, hard work too, obviously. Uh, a 21-day shoot. I, I feel like... Back in the day, even smaller movies like this might have shot for a bit longer than that, you know? I, I don't really have a feel for that. I just know that that's 21 days is a lot of, is a very, very short period of time to shoot a full-length movie. Mm, no, totally. I mean, not a lot of, look, set pieces. I mean, uh, literally almost the entire movie is, the, is pretty much the, the castle and the grounds, you know? And the forest and you know some highway shots um it's it's kind of tight kind of a small film in that sense but you're not really aware of that you just to me I, as i was watching i'm just kind of enveloped in this world you know like in this mid-70s british vampire horror world which is the world i want to be in mike let's be honest i mean come on who doesn't Oh yeah, it's it's great, you know, and, and yeah, I'm a big fan of like the Hammer era of horror. Mm -hmm. You know, even though this is not a Hammer film, but you know, no. the, the you know that English countryside. I'm a big, you know, I'm a sucker for the English countryside and just the ancient vibe that Britain has. You know, there's like a lot oh, of yeah. elements that aren't necessarily part of this movie, but the atmosphere of England being this ancient place and all this stuff was folklore and all these things kind of mixing together and uh the modern world being kind of overlaid on top of that you know that sort of thing and that's kind of, in a way you know they're in this like like mansion that's basically kind of in ruins mm -hmm. yes uh you know they're vampires which implies that they're very old and um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff that comes up where it's like you're in the modern world, but there's like this connection to the ancient world too, which I think is really cool. No, totally. Uh, interesting note: 
the movie was released first in America in 1975 by Canvas Films and then later released in the UK in 1976. And the first place to show this movie was uh, in Louisville, Kentucky in uh, March 26th, 1975, which is wild. I, I would imagine uh, Mike and I were talking about before we got rolling, it was probably at some some drive-in, I would imagine, you know? I mean, oh, yeah, drive-in run down to Kentucky and, like, Texas and places <laughs> like that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it must have been, you know, fun night back in uh, March of 75 to see this in, in good old Kentucky. Uh, I, I imagine it made its way to New York a bit later uh, that year. Um, it's just amazing how some of these movies... I mean, this is like a 50-year-old movie, right? I mean, that years and years pass, and, like, people not even born when the movie was out become fans of it, and it's just it just kind of takes on this whole other life. And honestly, it was the DVD boom to me that had a very big hand in all this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this could have easily just faded into obscurity. You know, but thanks mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, labels like Blue Underground and Arrow yeah. and all that, you know, that this, and also publications yep. know, like like Rue Morgue and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever, whatever have you, Gorehounds, like all these publications keeping things alive. And guys like Joe Bob who talk mm -hmm. about all these obscure movies, there's oh, an yeah. audience still today, you know, and, 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 you know, in some small way, even what we're doing right now, we're presenting this film to people who might not even know about it you know absolutely um it's funny you mentioned rue morgue i rue morgue might have even put this puppy on the cover in 03 uh when this dvd came out because the cool thing was back then it was the very first time americans were seeing it uncut because uh, this blu-ray uh, dvd is uncut so um it it, it was kind of truncated uh on, on you know vhs and, and in theaters so um the fact that it's uncut i, I think really kind of shines through as, as i mentioned earlier it's it's pretty fucking violent this movie um yeah but we'll, we'll get a little more into that in a bit uh you know top line uh summation uh, of the film uh it follows you know two Female lovers who, having been resurrected as vampires, lure unsuspecting travelers to their dilapidated estate to feed on their blood. Uh, the two vampires, of course, being uh, Marianne Morris and Anulka. Um, that's a cool name, Anulka, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. That's uh, uh, ju Judging from, uh, from her name, it's uh, some sort of Eastern European name. Yes, yes. Um, Marianne Morris plays Fran, uh, the, the darker-haired vampire, and Anelka is, of course, the beautiful blonde vampire. Uh, also in the film, we have Murray Brown as Ted, Brian Deacon as John, and Sally Faulkner as Harriet. Um, it's Like I said, it's a small film. Like There's literally about five, six characters, really, in the whole thing. Uh, but to me, it really focuses on five characters uh, of course fran and uh miriam the two vampires uh along with this couple john and harriet and uh this man ted who you know gets picked up along the roadside but becomes kind of a major figure in the film would you say mike definitely i mean he's kind of like the uh the, the, 
the subject in which we learn about what their story is about in a lot of ways. Yeah, he, you know, he, he's he's kind of like um, in, in Bram Stoker's dress, he's almost like the Harker in a way. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. there's yeah. a literary term that I can't remember right now for what his role is in the story, but it, right now it's escaping me. <laughs> I should have wrote it down. He's like Jonathan Harker. Yeah, he kind of is. Um, so yeah, the film opens up, uh, and we see Fran and Miriam, you know, naked in bed having sex and they're shot to death. That's basically, it's like, you know, very violent scene, uh, in an English country house. You don't see who the, the assailant is. They're just shot. And there's a lot of blood and the bodies are there. Uh, apparently they are resurrected as vampires who, and you know, in order to get blood, they, they, they do the old, you know, beautiful damsel in distress on the side of the road routine, Mike, right? That the guy who shoots them, that opening scene, it's one of the most uh, Italian giallo move, uh, moves I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. The dude's got like a black hat, you know, mm -hmm. like black gloves. You know, it, all he needed was a knife instead of a gun, you know? Yeah, it definitely had a, an Italian vibe, the very beginning of 100%. Uh, very astute of you to notice that. Um, but, you know, we, we see this young couple, John and Harriet, they drive past Fran, who's standing in the middle of the road uh, on the English countryside, you know. Uh, but they also noticed after they, they, they bypass Fran that there, well, actually, uh, Harriet notices, the girl notices that there was another girl standing there. And of course, that other girl is Anelka Miriam. She's kind of poorly hiding behind a tree but john her 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 was it her husband or her boyfriend i, I would say kind of, that they're just uh a couple boyfriend. i don't think that was yeah. her uh her husband i don't think they were married actually right he did not see the other vampire he just saw the you know the one girl um they have a, a, a camper and they decide to kind of camp their caravan uh basically right near the the, the mansion that is apparently inhabited by uh our two vampires fran and miriam right yeah i thought that was uh interesting that that was like kind of a point like i kind of, i couldn't figure out why that he's like well one of them was hiding and she saw the other one he's she saw miriam and he yeah didn't. she saw both he only saw just fran right now as i'm saying this this there's another question i have that happens later in the plot is sort of it seems like there was like this thread that maybe they wanted to explore and then they decided midway through in the editing they wanted to take this plot line out and change hmm. the direction of the story because you know uh she clearly sees both fran and miriam and um yeah yeah and he doesn't he's like oh, i only saw one so right right yeah no you might be right about that um as we said it was a 21 day shoot with you know the budget 42,000 British pounds in 1974. Uh, small budget, no? I mean, yeah. real small. So you, you might be right. There, there probably might have been quite a few things they wanted to do uh, and, and could not do it. Um, so it's raining at night and, and you know, John and Harry are in the camper and Harry is, is you know, she, she hears some, like, like a hand that, like, you know, that, slaps against the side of the thing and of course he goes outside he doesn't see anything harriet also claims that she's seen some people you know in the window of the castle and of course john hasn't seen anything and so there's like a little bit of that kind of you know 
uh, mind playing tricks on me thing, but of course it's not cheap. They're, they're clearly in the castle and they're luring men in there and, you know, up to their dastardly deeds. But John has, you know, hasn't seen any of this, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. The, the first, actually the first thing that came to mind when they spotted what they spotted her out on the road was, um, like these two women, they go out on the highway and that's how they lure men in. And it reminded me of the very first time I ever went to Poland when, uh, hmm. Yeah, you know, we're driving in the van, and I kept seeing these like women just standing on the side of the road. <laughs> and, uh, wow! Yeah, and, uh, we had this like German guy driving us, and I was like, "What's up with these these women on the side of the road? They're like, were they like hitchhiking or whatever?" He's like, "Oh no, no, no they're prostitutes." And wow! Was, like, just like on a like a, a road, just like that, because the places we were going in Poland, there was. Just these one two lane roads we were taking to get there and you would just see randomly like women standing on the side of the road and that's kind of what this reminded me of there were just these you know attractive ladies standing mm. there and some guy stops and that's how they get their uh their blood supply you know yeah i mean not for nothing you get two two girls two you know stunning models dressed like you know jinx dawson from coven standing on the side of the road i think uh 9.9 .9 times out of 10 the guy's gonna stop the car let's be honest here not I mean, me man I, I i'm just like i'm like I, something's up here man i don't know someone's gonna jump me or there's get shot i don't know they're robbed that's just the i guess that's the new yorker in me man i don't know you know i, I don't know see it's for me that longs for other times and that living in you know Living in the seventies, I think that that's probably why I'm stopping the car. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I want to get, you know, mutilated. I don't know. Well, actually but, one more thing about this point is that you and I were kind of discussing to me, it was daylight out when they were enticing these men. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. But you had a little different flavor than I did about that. I feel like it wasn't because there is there are times when they're closing curtains in the in the in the house when the sun is out, and there's a scene at the end where they're trying to race back into the castle, and I feel like it was um, right at the end of the day, right as the sun is going down. That's kind of the vibe I got. But I think maybe some of the shots that they got were probably clearly maybe middle of the day and they kind of had no choice but they you know like okay and plus they you know they couldn't shoot everything at night uh you know they probably wanted you to see them more clearly on the road but yeah it, it's kind of like open to interpretation maybe you know well because that was um, the first thing out of a, a couple of different things because um you know one, one of the things i was my, that jumped out at me and i was like okay well it's it's not nighttime so they're they're they play with the vampire rules quite a bit in this movie by the way just that that was seen to me like one of the things they were playing around with yes um this is not the typical vampire movie uh at all and they're not typical vampires it, to me really they don't sleep in coffins um they kind of sort of go out in mild daylight right or like late day you know Twilight. um <laughs> right uh-huh and there are scenes where they use knives and glass to re extract their blood as opposed to fangs so you know 
tip of the hat to you know whoever wrote the script, uh, Diana Dobney, and of course director Jose Larraz, who you know maybe wanted to go for something a bit different here. And of course we have several questions about their origin that go unanswered. So to me it makes part of the fucking coolness of this movie, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is not the first time. Like maybe in you know 1975 it was the first time, but over the last several decades. We've seen different takes on the vampire, which it, it made me think about uh, the hunger, you know, because mm. uh, Catherine Deneuve it does not have fangs, you know. She, she um, uh, uses a little, the sketchy little knife to like cut people with. Yeah, I think some of the best vampire movies, and I think this is a fucking great vampire movie, have these little differences. And, you know, sure enough, I, I you know, apparently uh, Laraz said that he imagines his vampires that they turn almost to cannibalism yeah uh, to okay. eat somebody and to take the blood from anywhere no matter if it's on the arm or on the balls quote unquote that is a quote from laraz laraz was quite a pip guys uh that's the the word on the street about him uh they, they talked a bit about that in some of the uh behind the scenes interviews on my dvd that he was a very intense character so for him to say you know Get the blood from the balls is apparently not not a big uh, big stretch. Um, film theorist Barbara Creed called uh, this one of the most grotesque sights in the film. Yeah, uh, you know, once again, uh, this movie kind of goes for it with the violence, even for like mid seventies. It's almost like it's almost like that modern day really uncomfortable kind of blood violence at the time. You know, to me, like it's it's. To me, it's like timeless, you know? Uh, it, it's not like this kind of hacky, you know, watery blood. It's very dark blood, Mike. Did you notice that? Yeah, the blood was uh, was real intense. Uh, and, yeah, it, it was... Uh, I, I kind of dug the knife, honestly. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that he said, like, they're, they're almost like cannibals, getting the blood by any means necessary. Um, so, uh, listeners, if you haven't seen the movie, I think... Uh, Hopefully, we're enticing you with uh, with these little pieces of, of information. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to slip a little bit into uh, spoiler territory, so you know, be be advised that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we're I mean, get you know, deep here. You know, it's it's you know, literally uh, quite an old film, um, and I know not everyone has seen it, uh, but I would gather a good a good chunk of the audience has seen it. So, um, one thing I I, I almost feel like not a lot of of our of our two kind of like you know cutesy couple in distress like they don't get too deep with them am i right in that like we don't we don't know too much about them at all really john and harriet they they're kind of like like an artistic couple they're they're painting uh pictures of the scenery and of the castle but um i don't know if it was if that was a decision by the scriptwriter or the director or whatever but we're not even sure like why they're they're there, right? Well, that that's the point I was trying to make is that uh, all right. So Ted, as we mentioned, is like the harker of the story. You know, we mm -hmm. kind of observe, you know, all the uh, ordeals that he's going through, and you know, they're cutting him up and drinking his blood, and he's at first, you know, he's like having hot sex with uh, with Fran, you know, for right. most, you know, we that's. But so we understand what they're all about through him. 
So he's like the Harker character. Now, the couple, all right, and and this makes this would make sense that they were there, but this is not how they play it out in the movie. All right, so I said earlier where uh, she sees the um the, she sees Miriam mm-hmm. out Harriet sees Miriam out in the woods okay and and, mm-hmm. and uh what's his name John does not see her, see her so right there's this there's a part of the film where both Miriam and Fran corner her and they they recog- they say like I know that I would recognize you yes by- outside yeah yes, yeah yeah mm-hmm. so and John isn't there yeah, and I, and so that that makes sense that the two of them would be drawn to this place, and that mm-hmm. she somehow would be part of that crew of ageless vampires, like maybe in another life, you know, right. she's reincarnated. Or who knows? You know, one of those kind of things. Mm. So that that really justifies the presence of John and Harriet. You know what I okay. mean? Okay. Yeah, but, you're right. Without that element, which is kind of how the film does not take that turn, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. They're just there to be killed, you know. Yeah, that's the thing, and they they are killed horrifically. Uh, Ted, Ted's the guy, you know. He he's one. He's a hit. He's a guy who picks her up. Who's you know who picks up Miriam and um not Miriam. He picks up uh Fran Fran because he doesn't meet Miriam till later on, and you know middle-aged guy kind of, you know, looking for like, you know, some, a, a, a romp with a, a hot woman, you know, and she takes him inside the castle and he's like, you know, what, what the hell's going on here? And, uh, it, but he's, it's but funny, he's like, down though. He's totally down by the way. Just, yeah, no, you know. he's down, but he's, he's a little intimidated. <laughs> he's a little afraid, but he's down. He wakes up in the morning, has this horrific gash on his arm, which he thinks is, from a broken wine glass because they're drinking a lot of wine, which is probably definitely not wine. It's blood. Um, and, you know, he, he can't find friends. So he, he, he leaves the, you know, the mansion and he sees John and Harriet's caravan and they invite him inside for coffee and they take care of his wounds. And uh, it's funny. You notice like, he, he's like, all right, I'm leaving and blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't leave. He, he like immediately just goes right back to the house to wait for her friend because he, you know, he wants to know what the hell's going on and he probably wants more sex or he probably is like mentally kind of under her spell at this time. What do you think maybe? Well, that's the, that's what I was feeling is that he's, you know, drawn in by the whole vibe of everything, you know, the, the whole, you know, trip, you know, the vampire yeah. like scene, you know. And and when Fran returns with uh, Miriam, they have another dude with them. This guy Rupert, and you know, they they kill Rupert. And after hiding the body, there's this very you know sexy shower scene between the two of them where they're wiping the blood off each other, and then they have sex in the shower. Um, now, I, I said this earlier, where uh, I, I you know, with all due respect, this movie could have easily been like a porno film you know what i mean <laughs> like not i'm not trying to that's not a um i'm not you know i'm it's not, not insulting it's, it's not, not a no, it's not no. a diss like the way like roger watkins would have made a, makes porn films you know with like a plot and like you know shot on film you know maybe like jamie gillis would have played ted or something like that you know what i'm trying to say yeah it, it does i think while i kind of agree with you i think the movie is actually a bit more classy than that how about that like, I think, you know, I, I think they wanted titillation. 
they got it and they wanted the sex scenes and they have them but they're not um they're not hardcore sex scenes obviously i mean you you're kind of saying that they could have been yeah. and the movie would I mean, still be a good movie once again man i'm not i'm not dissing the movie by saying mm -hmm. that because in you know european films a lot of time you know especially uh over the years they, they kind of blur the lines a lot of times you know especially mm -hmm. like yeah, like later on like gaspar no like there's like there's a cum shot in one of his fucking movies you know what i mean yeah no exactly exactly so but the, no you know, yeah the I, Europeans... I could kind of see this as as, a, as as hardcore to a degree like they could have you know upped that ante in a way but yeah. uh you know, they wanted this in theaters. I mean, it was it was a horror movie. Yeah, you know? nah, um, I get you. And uh, it's funny, of course, after this movie came out, you know, Marianne Morris and Anelka both talked about the fact that they were offered tons of movies that made the nudity in this completely parallel comparison, which is not a big surprise. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but this is literally the first movie for the two of them, actually, Mike. Uh, they, you know, they had not had a lot of acting experience at all, uh, our two vampires, before this. Uh, I think they kind of knock it out of the park, in my opinion. But Yeah, especially, you know. uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, man, they pulled it off, you know, for mm. sure. I thought the acting was actually pretty, pretty top-notch for this film. Yeah. Uh, another weird fun fact is they're both, you know, well, completely fluent in English, and when you watch the interviews with them, they have, you know, perfect English voices with English accents, whatever. Yet neither of their voices were used in this movie. And they didn't know about it till after the fact. Really? Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. It's fucked up. Wow. Uh, yeah. They used, they, they dubbed it anyway. Like the, the whole dubbing mania of, of that era is hilarious. Um, apparently, I think LaRaz wanted a bit of a stronger voice for fran hmm. and i'm not sure why he dubbed uh, anoka's voice but uh yeah and they didn't know it they did not know it until well after the fact so that, you know it's kind of like oh man that's a huge bummer you that's know? interesting because if i don't know if you remember but ted comments on how uh fran doesn't seem english because he asks her where you're from right yeah she has this strong kind of I, I don't know if raspy is the right, but she has this kind of like this ethereal, deep kind of voice to her. You know, it's it's very kind of cold sounding at times, right? Yeah, it's perfect for the role, though. I thought, yeah, was, you know, but yeah, it's it's interesting because um, there's that one guy who's like the wine connoisseur that they lure in, and there's a a night of wine consumption that's going on. Like they have like their special wine cellar with their, you know, private stock of red wine, and the, mm. the guy's like, "Oh well, you know, I'm I'm a, uh, you know, specialist on wine. I you know, all I need to do is taste. I can tell you exactly where it's from." And he comes up, tries to come up with the you know, what type of grapes they used and for what part of Europe and everything, and mm. and um, and he was he's picked some place in France, and they're like, "Oh." No, actually, right. you're wrong. It's from uh, the Carpathians. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So I that's mean, like you know gives you a hint as to like their origins were in Eastern Europe and Romania or something like that. You know. Mm hmm. Oh, uh, sure enough, uh, when it aired uh, for the first time in America, it was on a double feature with Devil's Reign. How oh. about that? No, oh, I, I would have gone to that. 
if I was old, <laughs> able to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and when it was shown in the UK, they cut two minutes and 21 seconds of the gore and sexual content. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it took a while for everyone to see the, the, the real version of this movie. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, you know, uh, Oaksley Court in Bray Berkshire was the exterior of the main locale of the film at, like, beautiful, creepy-looking mansion. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's funny. I mentioned it was, you know, 42,000 pounds, basically the equivalent of 466,000 pounds in 2021 dollars. Still not a lot of money no, at all. man, it's not crazy. Uh, and, and to me, they, they did quite a bit with, with, with what they had, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we mentioned how uh, Ted kind of serves as, as the, the Harker because he is... Well, he's the lone survivor, uh, kids, in the movie. Spoiler alert. Um, unfortunately, our, 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 our cute couple, uh, John and Harriet, uh, meet horrific endings, huh, Mike? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, John is, is killed first. Uh, they, they, they get him in his car, and it's just like, like I said, they really kind of went for it with the violence. It, it way more so than say a daughters of darkness and honestly way more so than a, a, a lot of kind of earlier 70s euro horror um so i could kind of see why this movie kind of got crucified by the censors huh yeah it, there was extreme stuff in there man for sure you know, um, mm -hmm. you know ahead of its time in a way violence was brutal you know there was like tons of nudity and sex and all that sort of stuff and but like you know, I'm not trying to say. You know, I, I feel bad about. I, I, I'm not trying to insult this film by saying that it could have been a porno because there's mm -hmm. nothing really. Oddly enough, there's nothing really sleazy about the movie. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why yeah. I was like, it could have been like a Roger Watkins like porno or something. You know, like a film just with hardcore sex in it. You know, I don't know why yeah. I'm. I don't know why I'm. I'm fixating on this but that, that, i just <laughs> want to get because, that out, uh, out there they're a little easy on the eyes maybe i don't know i don't know maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean you know although th there is that moment where harriet sees them and, and they share those words and, and uh you kind of think that harriet might join the cult so to speak and become a vampire with our two pals fran and miriam uh, that is like not the case. Uh, they kill Harriet in, in just a horrific way as they kill her boyfriend, John. Uh, they drag her kicking and screaming back into the mansion from the caravan and, and proceed to go to town with a knife as they're, you know, drinking her blood and slashing her throat. And she's like screaming like it's just it's a really uncomfortable scene. Yeah, her her death was real heavy man like they're screaming in particular mm -hmm. you know and and like i said i was i was i was shocked i i gotta be honest this is the first time i'd ever seen it actually was for the oh, show okay. i'd never seen it before so i um was like oh now they're gonna like reveal that she's you know part of this coven of ancient vampires or something and and sure mm -hmm. enough they don't do that and that's what would surprise me no they don't um uh Ted, who's kind of, you know, th there are two other men that, that, you know, do do not make it out. Two other suitors, obviously, uh, Rupert 
and, and the other guy you talked about who who's you know the, the wine connoisseur guy uh ted kind of literally is able to to get escape the castle uh we see him uh once harriet has been killed um kind of you know stumbling about outside and we find our our vampires that are trying to trying to get to him but this is the interesting part that they realize the sun is coming up and that they have to retreat back to the house but damn it sure enough i mike and i swear they've already been outside in the daylight a few times <laughs> but you know maybe maybe you're you're right is that okay that it's, it's like almost the end of the day or it's whatever twilight it's not, yeah the sun's right, right. on the decline <laughs> and the moon you know that that well you have to make that jump and it works okay yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's do that you know what i mean so you know after the horrific death of of harriet we find ted back in his car in a daze and he's awoken by a, a realtor uh who thinks ted is just some drunk weirdo guy sitting in a car not a man who has survived the horrific vampire attacks um and a, as he's leaving he, he hears the realtor talking to this elderly couple about the, the, the castle because they're interested in purchasing it and, and sure enough we we learn this tidbit of information that we we do not know uh he talks about yeah there was this you know there's a legend has it these two girls were killed in this castle a long time ago and it's believed to be haunted by the you know the women that were murdered there and it's like the aha moment of the movie right mike yeah and it, it throws another level of complexity to it or it's just like well okay maybe they're ghosts too you know they're vampiric mm. ghosts you know yes know. yeah a, a lot of co- a lot of questions but it's it's not that you're like you know frustrated by the questions i to me i think it's just kind of like again it made for like a cool movie and it made for like an interesting bit of a different vampire movie um you know uh a lot of the reviews of the movie at the time were just super focused on the sex and the nudity but I don't know. I I found like a an interesting story and a bit of a different take on vampires. Um, you know, yes, there's a lot of sex and nudity in the movie, but like I said, I I view it as one of the the better kind of European vampire movies, and definitely kind of a, a must see uh, vampire movie for me. I agree. Um, it's this and daughters of daughters. Daughters of Darkness mm-hmm. <laughs> are yes. two of of my. This is one of my favorites now, along with that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm glad you really enjoyed it. I, yeah, I was no, not I, aware that you had not seen. No, this no, before. I I'd been meaning to, you know, and mm-hmm. I at one point I thought I did see it, but I was uh, mistaken, you know. Oh and wow! There, there's a ton of films in this subgenre. You know, there's like Fascination, Vampiros, mm-hmm. Lesbos. Uh, yeah, yeah. You no, know, there's a ton. Uh, you know, and and I I thought I'd seen it, but I guess I didn't. You know. Um, and it's funny. Uh, here's something I definitely didn't know, and I learned it doing the research is that there is a remake of this movie from 2015. How about that? I, I noticed that when I was looking for this. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm. I'm gonna check it out. I have a funny feeling. Uh, it'll be along the lines of a few other remakes of European movies over the years, Mike. Uh, what do you think? Um, the, it's a. It's an American remake of this. Uh, director Victor Madalano, Vampires. Um, I. I believe it's it's American, but you know what? I, I'm going to confirm it because I don't want. I like giving out false intel. Um, 
you know, it's an English language remake of the 1974 classic. Uh, actually, no, I don't. I do not think it's American. No, but uh, no, it's got got a lot of uh, his, like you know Latino names in there. I don't think it's American. Okay. All right, so might not be bad then. Might not be bad. It's got a cool poster. I'm looking yeah. at the poster. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to check it out now. Uh, Caroline Monroe has a cameo in it. Okay. Hmm, okay. Maybe it's not that bad. Hmm. If I'm not mistaken, the remake is also available on Tubi. Oh, awesome. So we're going to peep the remake. Um, it, it, it might not be anything like the original, but it, it might be decent. Uh, <laughs> I do feel like a lot of times, though, some of these classic Euro ones, or, or even the modern Euro ones uh, that get, get get the remakes, kind of get a bit, bit shafted. No. What was that? Uh, that '90s was it? Queen of the Damned. Is, is that mm -hmm. the one that, with like the new metal soundtrack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's yeah, that's not good. Maybe uh, it'll be a good. new metal version of uh, Vampires. <laughs> Oh no, I, I don't want to see a new metal version of vampires. Um, that that would be very painful. Um, but yeah, uh, again, great, great Euro horror film, great vampire film, and I give this bastard a five out of five. What about you, Mike? I go four five, four point five out of five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it was good. It's up there. I'll I'll probably be watching this again. I um probably going to get a hard copy of this at some point you know and i, I know the blue underground one's pretty pricey but you know we'll see yeah yeah I, I i you know i i may upgrade to get the arrow blue uh you know my my blue underground dvd is a bit old it's 20 years old so but it has a great autograph on it of uh anulka so uh oh, so and then what's, when is I, there I, a story with uh with the anulka and, and yes the okay I, I, I met uh, Anelka, who plays the, the wonderful uh, vampire Miriam uh, in the film uh, back in 2014 at Chiller, and I had her sign my, my DVD sleeve. But then I met her this past uh, October uh, at Chiller when I went with Stella, and uh, I, I got an 8x10 of her, you know, uh, from, you know, the vampires era, and, you know, she signed it. And, and I mentioned in passing that, you know, I, how much I liked the movie and that I had a horror podcast. And the second I mentioned I had a horror podcast, she she pulls out a pen and paper and hands me her phone number and says, I would love to be on the podcast. <laughs> like, wow. out of no, like, like deadpan. And I was like, I was like shocked. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like Stella had the notepad, so it was in her notepad. And... I can't recall if she gave me the piece of paper or not, but I feel like Stella still has this piece of paper, but she thinks she gave it to me. So I may have lost Anelka's phone number, but it's okay. Just the story in itself that I told her about the podcast and she was just so happy to hear that, that she's like, I would love to be on it. Like it was so fucking <laughs> cool. You know, isn't that cool? That, she would have been <laughs> perfect to have on uh, tonight's episode, man. I know. I know. And uh, does she live out know, in New Jersey or uh, <laughs> I don't know where she lives. I, she might even live in the UK for all I know. I don't know where she lives, but she was very nice. Um, that's the cool thing about chillers. Sometimes they'll get these random 
you know, European horror guests or guests from like Hammer Films or, you know, a, a bit more obscure stuff. And it's like, that's kind of part of the reason that I want to go because I kind of want to meet those people. Like there are people that have no interest in some of these people, but I, you know, that's where most of my interest lies in the more obscure <laughs> kind of like 70s or obscure 80s guests, you know? Yeah, totally, man. Uh, yeah, that you know, maybe maybe someday we'll have her on as a guest. That'd be yeah, I mean, I, if I could find that piece of paper, we got we could make it happen. But uh, you know, she had a lot of like great different like eight by tens to choose from, and yeah, I picked a, a cool one from uh, from vampires. Um, yeah, dude, she was a she was a Playboy playmate in the early seventies. Uh, playmate of the month, May nineteen seventy three. Um, you know, the U S uh, edition actually. Um, and in the extras on this DVD, it turns out she was dating this musician and she went on tour with like David Bowie and she went on tour with a bunch of other bands and Iggy pop and, you know, led this really cool life. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The, what's her name? Uh, the woman who plays a uh, friend, Marianne Morris, did a, a little more acting after that. And then just kind of, you know, left the acting world uh after the 70s but uh you know even though the interviews are like almost 20 years old on this dvd you you do kind of learn quite a bit about the making of the movie and about you know how some of the scenes were pretty fucking intense to make and kind of nerve-wracking i mean I, I i'm an extras guy i actually watch extras of the especially if i really like the movie you know i watch all that shit some people just you know they never look at it so do you have that uh, that three movie set from Arrow? No, I just have the the twenty year old Blue Underground DVD, which is out of print. Um, I think Blue Underground's twenty ten Blu Ray is also out of print. Hmm. I think, or it, it's probably available on like eBay or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, the, the twenty nineteen Arrow is still available, which comes with the other Laraz movies. So I may grab that because I would I would also like to see these other movies, you know. Yeah, totally, I've I've never seen any of his other films because I, I you know I looked up his uh, filmography and I'd never seen any of those. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, this is part of the, one of the big reasons why I love this podcast is to talk about movies like this. Honestly, um, stuff that you know is a little more off the beaten path, and, and I think you know. While there is a section of people who probably have seen this movie, uh, there's a bunch that have not. And uh, I, I welcome what people uh, who have not seen it will think of it, you know? I haven't seen it. So the, the, for me, the fact that you brought this up definitely brought something to me because this, uh, you know, like I really enjoyed it. So I would, who knows when I would have gotten around to watching this. Oh, cool, cool. And there's cool music in the movie. There's not a lot of music, but there's this cool kind of, creepy sounding theme song uh in in the beginning and in the end did you, you notice that music yeah the music is great i thought yeah, yeah i i really enjoyed it uh i wasn't able to find a lot about this music but uh you know i i, I mean i don't think there's ever been a soundtrack or anything with this movie but i i kind of wish there was because the music is pretty fucking cool you never know man people you know we're all these like uh you know film score labels and all that you never know yeah, might might resurrect it somehow, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, another uh, Necromaniacs episode in the can. Another trip to the seventies. Uh, we hope uh, you enjoyed it, listeners. 
All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Take care. Ah!